This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Otis Barnett and Calvary Church in Inverness, Florida. For more information, please visit InvernessCalvary.com. Well, we're in our series uh, named Called to Freedom. And uh, this series is, is, is really, its launching spot is, it comes from Galatians chapter 5. And Galatians chapter 5 in the Amplified says this, For you, my brothers, were called to freedom. Only do not let your freedom become an opportunity for the sinful nature, worldliness, and selfishness, but through love serve and seek the best for one another. Notice it says, you, my brothers, were called to freedom. Jesus has set an open door before us, and that open door leads to a place or a land called freedom. It is, it is not something that we just ought to do or something that we should do. It is freedom is the place that God is calling you by name to come and enter into. And God, it is good news that God wants you free in every single area. Now in the book of Galatians, they were getting free of religion. It is an amazing passage. You should read it all. But there are lots of areas that we need freedom from. And in the church, we have to realize that it has always been the plan of the enemy. And we keep driving this home. It's always been the plan of the enemy to entangle as many believers as possible. You say, I didn't realize that believers could be entangled. Please go back and listen to the messages, and you'll hear about many times, many times, believers in the Bible being ensnared and being under the influence of the demonic. You know, we made some points over the weeks like, like demons are real. You know, lots of times we, we, you know, we, we tell our kids, oh, that's not real, that's not real. Well, in the Bible, 61 times the word, uh, in just the Gospels, the word demon is mentioned. And so we have to realize that if we are in a fight, we have to fight the right enemy. Here's another point. People are not our enemy. And if you're fighting people, you're fighting the wrong enemy. People are not your enemy. Satan is your enemy. And by the way, Satan is not God's enemy because God has no equal. It's not even close. When Satan rebelled, he was cast from heaven like lightning to the earth. He was found in Eden. We found out that, that there can be open doors in people's lives. Matter of fact, last week we talked about the shield of faith. Uh, and that shield, or no, last week was pride. The week before that was the shield of faith. And that the actual word shield is door. And, 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 and it, it literally means it was called that because it was the shape of a door and it was meant to cover the whole person. And, and that many times we have an open door because we are not believing God's word. This is a major issue in a, a believer's life. When you do not believe God's word, you do not get the benefits of what it is saying. So many times that shield, which is meant to quench all the fiery darts, all of the fiery darts of the wicked one, th those darts make it through. Why? Because we've laid down their shield or we don't believe or we don't take up what the scriptures are actually saying. And today, we're going to need to have a little bit of that shield of faith to lay hold of, of what we're going to be talking about. Last week, we talked about pride. Anybody find themselves tripping over some of those, those pride test questions? Oh, man. Oh, man. If you didn't come last week, you know, go listen to it online. You know, God was really talking to us a lot about pride. Said um, we need to close the door of pride and, 
And some of the symptoms of pride where pride is always talking about itself. Yeah, yeah. The I is always in the center of pride. How about this one? This was the one. I, thought, I, I think I caught myself 20 times this last week doing this one. Pride is an interrupter. That pride is not an, a good listener. And they're always interrupting. And you can't blame it on your DNA or your heritage. Because when you got born again, you got a new DNA and a new heritage, and you were made a new creation. You may be Italian or Puerto Rican, be as saucy as you want to, but you cannot be an interrupter. <laughs> close the door of pride. <laughs> so we got to close the door of pride. You cannot be an interrupter. Can't do that. Why? Because it's, it's, it's not God's way. So today... I'm going to speak to you a message called the door of blessing. And we're going to talk about something that um, is likely, especially if you're a guest or visitor here, if someone invited you, I guarantee you they're going to squirm. <laughs> because this is your first time here. And I'm actually going to share about something that is powerfully, uh, it is powerful in the, the spirit realm to bringing freedom in believers' lives, but believers don't ever want to talk about it. And that's the area of money and tithing. Because they're really afraid that you're going to say, well, all they do is talk about money. Keep coming. It's not all we talk about. Matter of fact, we the reason I'm talking about it is because I believe the Spirit of God said you need to talk about it. Why? Because you're a shepherd that has a rod. Shepherds who beat their people with rods will not be shepherds very long. Shepherds have rods for wolves. And I aim to beat some wolves off of some people's lives in this place today. It's, the, it's Satan that has been attacking people's finances and coming against you and keeping you from blessing that God wants you walking in. And listen, uh, sheep, sheep will not follow a shepherd that's beating them. You don't drive sheep. You lead them. So today, if it applies to you, good, but it's not aimed at you. It's aimed at a spirit that's been keeping believers in bondage. I want to speak to you this message called the door of blessing, and we're going to start in Malachi chapter 3. Malachi chapter 3, so if you have your Bible, you can go there or you can just click, you know. If you're turning, you can go to Matthew and just turn back one book. Malachi chapter 3. We're going to begin in verse 6. Thank you, Lord. That's actually a really great sound to hear the sound of Bible pages turning. 
I heard that they're adding that sound to the Bible app, by the way. So. <laughs> it's really good. Malachi chapter 3, verse 6 says this, For I am the Lord, I do not change. Therefore you are not consumed, O sons of Jacob. Look, look this, this, is such, this is so wonderful. Before I ever get into the message, this, right, this is so encouraging. This is actually God saying from the very beginning, I am good and nothing is going to change that. And if I changed from being good, you would have been consumed a long time ago. But he's saying, I am the Lord and I do not change. Therefore, you are not consumed. So for those of you who think that you, you know, you know, that you really, you're really bad off with God because you're not perfect. No, no, no. He's perfect. Therefore, you are not consumed. And God's extending grace and mercy to you and to me and to everybody else who needs it because he doesn't change. He's good. So when the good God brings up something, starting it by saying, by the way, I'm really good and, and you're not consumed because I'm good, then you should listen to the words that come right behind. Yet from the days of your fathers you have gone away from my ordinances and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, in what way shall we return? And verse 8 says, will a man rob God, yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, or test me in this, says the Lord of hosts. This is the only area in the Bible where God says, you put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. And if and if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out such a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it, and I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes so that he will not destroy the fruit of the ground, nor shall the vine uh, fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. And all nations will call you blessed, for you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. Now, there's a couple of things that I, I want you to understand. Today, we're going to talk about this word, tithing, okay? We're going to talk about this word, tithing. Now, the scene from this scripture is that these are some of the final words that were to be spoken to the nation of Israel before John the Baptist would show up. There were, there were years of silence, decades, where God wasn't speaking. But the final thing, it was like, you need to get this right before Jesus comes onto the scene, were these words. And I want you to understand some things and the, the weightiness of this scripture. And I want to pull out some things for us so that we can understand how to get the door of blessing opened in our life. And you'll understand by the end of the sermon why this message is actually about spiritual warfare. First thing, first takeaway from this passage that you, I want you to see today is that tithing Tithing is an ordinary principle of God. Tithing is an ordinary principle 
of the kingdom of God. It's an ordinary principle. He says this to his people. He says, yet from the days of your fathers, you have gone away from my ordinances and have not kept them. Return to me and I'll return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you said, in what way shall, shall we return? The word ordinance actually means ordinary principle. That means that there are principles in God's kingdom which are at work, which are ordinary. They're, they're not things for the super spiritual. They're not, uh, you know, it's not just things for the apostles or people called to ministry. These are ordinary principles made for every single person in the kingdom. And the word tithe means this. It means tenth. And when you when you return the tithe, you return the first 10% of your increase. You return the first 10% of your increase. Now, the Bible is full of all kinds of symbols, okay? So there's, there's, there's pictures and there's allegories all throughout the scriptures. And they're one thing on the surface, but they mean something else. So there, there could be pictures. There could be sometimes you would see this term, beasts of the field. Well, that's not just talking about animals out in the field. That's actually talking about the demonic. Sometimes you would see this birds of the air. Jesus actually said that the birds of the air were actually messengers from Satan. They come, try to come and steal the word. So you can see that there are types and shadows in the scripture. Well, that's, that's true of not only pictures and words, but also numbers. Numbers uh, actually mean something in the scripture. And the number 10 is the number of testing. God sent 10 plagues to test Pharaoh's heart. Well, why don't we why don't we take a little test and you'll just I'll just I'll I'll I'll, I'll just ask you some questions and you can respond, okay? And you're going to be you're, you'll be able to get this right. You'll you'll get this you'll get this correct, okay? How many times were Jacob's wages changed? Ten. All right, now, now, now you're, I've already set you up with the answer, okay, so you can kind of, all right. So Jacob's wages were changed ten times. I already mentioned that there were, were ten plagues, okay. Now, now we're going to go into the New Testament. Okay, how many virgins were tested in the New Testament and some had oil and some didn't? How many were there? Okay, okay, in the book of Revelation, the, uh, uh, it says that there will be how many days of testing? How many disciples were there? That's good. That's good. See, some of you were thinking, that was a test. You should, you passed. You passed. The 10 is the number of testing. It's all throughout the scripture. And I want you to understand that the tithe is a test. And I, I want you to understand this. For God... Money is a small thing. Possessions are a small thing. He said true riches come to those who are faithful with small things. You know what true riches are? People. And it is my firm conviction that God will not entrust people to people who can't be faithful with small things. And the test is will you give God the first 
So the tithe is a test. Now, the first time we find this word tithe in the Bible is Genesis 14, 18, when Abraham is coming back from actually routing an army that had, that had, had taken all their women and, 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 and there had been a battle. And Abraham gathered, uh, gathered some uh, warriors with him. They go and they rout the army and they're bringing them all back. And then, it, then we find this scene takes place. It says, then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine, and he was the priest of God Most High, and blessed him and said, blessed be Abraham of God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And listen to what it says. And he, that's Abraham, gave him a tithe of all. Now, it's really important that you understand who Melchizedek is. Because in the book of Hebrews, we find out that Melchizedek is the priest unto God. All right? And, and, and Melchizedek, it is said that he has neither beginning of days nor end of days. And it says that he is king of Salem. And the, king, and the word Salem means peace. Well, I have this question for you. Who is the king of peace that does not have beginning of days nor end of days? His name is Jesus, and that's exactly what most theologians think this is. This is something that theologians call a theophany, an Old Testament appearance of Christ. And when Abraham has increase in his life and God shows up, you know what Abraham does? He takes what belongs to God and gives it to him. Now, I want to show you something. This was, this is not about the law. People, sometimes theologians, they say, well, you know, tithing was under the law. Tithing predated the law because this was 430 years before the law was given. And the principle of tithing was actually revealed in the garden. The principle of tithing predates the law and is mentioned eight times in the New Testament. If you like words in red, then you'll really like this. Matthew 23, 23, when he was speaking to the Pharisees, he said, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees and hypocrites, for you pay uh, a tithe of mint and anise and cumin, but you have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faith. These you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. Do you see what Jesus just said? He said, listen, you are lacking on the weightier matters. However, the area of tithing that you have down, you ought to have done that. And if Jesus says, you ought to tithe, I'm a simple man. I just read what it says. You ought to give the first 10% to him. Jesus said you ought to have done this. The second thing that I want you to take away from Malachi chapter 3 is that the tithe belongs to God. Verse 8 says, will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. Listen, I, I found something out really interesting in, in kind of uh, just, just uh, preparing for this. Uh, did you know that there's a difference between theft and robbery? Theft is when you go into an unoccupied dwelling and take something that doesn't belong to you. 
Robbery is when you go into an occupied dwelling and take something that doesn't belong to you. And God said, I've been here all along trying to bless you, and while I'm in the house, you're taking what belongs to me. He used those words, not me. Robbery. Now, I want to show, I want to show you the tithe belongs to God. And in Leviticus 27.30, it says, And all the tithes of the land, whether the seed of the land or whether the fruit of the tree, it is the Lord's. It's holy to the Lord. That means it's consecrated to Him. It's His. It is His. The tithe is His. And this is, this is why we use the language that we use. The tithe belongs to God. And that's why uh, in, in Malachi 3, it says, bring the tithe. In the scriptures, there's only two things that you can do with the tithe. You can steal it or you can bring it. You can't give it. Uh, over the years, you know, we'll go on vacation and I've had young people, specifically one young man that I can think of, who when I go away actually um, ask me if they can use my vehicle. So they've asked me to use my vehicle, right? And so reluctantly I've said yes. But if after I got back off of vacation, they came to me and said, Pastor Otis, I've been praying. And God has really moved on my heart. I want to give you this vehicle. My response would be something like, did you wreck it and hit your head really hard? Because you can't give something to me that doesn't belong to you that already belongs to me. You can return it. And that's why you'll hear me say it. We're going to return the tithe. Because it never belonged to us. And some people are like, you know what, um, well, you know, that's, that was under the law, you know, now we're under grace. Well, let's just talk about being under grace for a moment, because the voice of grace is Jesus. The voice of grace is Jesus, and I really like this, because in the New Testament, we, we find in the greatest sermon ever spoken, these words. We find, he says, you've heard it said in the past, don't murder. But I say, the voice of grace says, if you hate your brother, you've committed murder. So the Old Testament said, just don't do the act. In the New Testament, grace says, if you have the feeling that drives you to the act, you've committed it. Let's keep going. In the Old Testament, he said, you've heard it say, do not commit adultery. The voice of grace comes along and says, if you even look upon a woman and lust for her in your heart, you've committed adultery. Old Testament, commit the act. Grace said, if you even have the thought. Old Testament said 10%. Grace says, I'm sorry, it's all his. It's all his. All of it is his. Read the book of Acts if you don't believe me. In the very beginning of the book of Acts, they were selling everything. Am I suggesting that, suggesting that you do that? No, I'm not. 
What I am suggesting is that you begin to walk in the ordinary principle of the kingdom in tithing. The whole tithe belongs in the storehouse. Now, for some of you, what I'm about to say, you know, it, it won't apply. Uh, but for some of you, it will. Uh, you do not split your tithe up and send it around places. I don't do 2% here and 3% there and 4% here. The Bible says you bring it to the storehouse. That's the place where you are fed. It's the local church that you're a part of. That's where you bring it. You don't send it. As a matter of fact, the television ministries that have characters say this. We believe the tithe belongs in the local church. And if you give to us, it will be over and above that. And God will honor it. You don't split your tithe up. And by the way, I know Common Core is jacking people up. But you giving 1% is not a tithe. Or 3%, that's not a tithe. A tithe means a tenth. And it's the first 10%. The local church is where you give it. Well, let's give some common reasons why people don't tithe. Common reason number one is unbelief. The Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Some people just don't know. Because they've never heard it taught properly from the scriptures that we should set aside the first 10%. They've never heard that. So it's new. But it's actually right here in God's word. And not only is it in God's word, but it's connected to promise. And if you want the benefits of the promise, you actually have to walk in what God is commanding us to walk in. And so unbelief is either from not hearing and not knowing or hearing and saying, I, I, I'm just, I just don't believe that. And we find in, in Genesis chapter 3 that unbelief was at, actually at work because of the enemy. It says, now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, this serpent, has God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said you shall not eat of it nor shall you touch it lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, you shall not surely die, for God knows that in the day that you eat it, your eyes will be open. you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. Now listen, I want you to understand this. The enemy directly contradicts God's word every time. The enemy directly contradicts God's word every single time. That's what he did here in the garden, and that's what he tries to do in believers' lives in the area of finance, even though there's over 2,000 scriptures, 2,000 scriptures on money alone. That's not including finances. There's 2,000 on money alone. The enemy always directly contradicts God's word. And you will never have confidence in any area in the kingdom in which you do not have faith. You're never going to have confidence in the area of finances if you don't have faith that returning the tithe to the Lord is the right thing to do. And God wants you to have confidence in that. And he wants to deal with the unbelief. Here's the, here's the main question, the main question that comes against us. Here it is. Will 90% of 
of blessed money go farther than 100% of cursed? That's the question. And faith says 90% of blessed goes way farther. Way farther. So we have to deal with unbelief. That's a common reason why people don't tithe. The other one is greed. Genesis chapter 6, it's actually revealed there. It says, so when the woman saw the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband and they ate and they fell together. That word pleasant is translated two other ways. It's translated desirous. So when she looked on the plant, it was desirous. It means like it was, it looked like it was good for food, but it is also translated greed in the New Testament. And I promise you that at the core of why people don't give the first 10%, one of the common reasons is because. I, well, I won't be able to have this, or I won't be able to have that, or I won't be able to pay that bill. That's greed. That's greed. It's as if, as if the enemy is saying about the tithe, God's holding out on you. He's just doing this to mess with you. That if you, you give him that, He's just taking it. Nothing's happening. Nothing's going on. Nothing's happening in the spirit. He's just taking it. God's not being good. And that is always what the enemy tries to do, is challenge God's character. God's not holding out on you. Matter of fact, here he's saying, I don't want to hold out on you. I want to bless you so much that you don't have room to receive it. But you have to test him in this. I want you to see this. The one part of the garden that belonged to God, Adam and Eve took for themselves. And what happened to them? A curse came. The one part of our finances that belongs to God, when we take it, the same thing happens to us that happened to them in the garden. The scripture says you're cursed with a curse. You say, well, I'm a believer. I can't be cursed. I said, well, what do you think happens? Well, it's just, I'm just not blessed. Well, what do you think the definition of cursed means? Not blessed. God wasn't holding back. I wanted to bless them. So what happens when believers tithe? What happens when believers tithe? We're going to get this from these scriptures. Believers, you need to know this. First thing, there's food in God's house. It says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse. What does it say? It says, so that there will be food in my house. Anytime God gives us a, a spiritual print or a practical principle, there is also a spiritual application. 
So back in that day in the temple, they needed to feed the men of God who were tending to the temple. That is the absolute practical principle. If you tithe here uh, as a member of the church or someone who is a covenant partner with this church, then yes, we will be paying lights and we will be paying salaries and we will be furthering ministry and there will be all kinds of practical things that are going on. But did you know that there is also a a spiritual principle that's connected to this? And the spiritual principle is this. There will be spiritual food in the house. You will come to the house of God in an atmosphere of generosity, in an atmosphere where most of the people are giving, and here's what happens. Week after week, by God's grace, and mostly for you, it's not because of me, it's mostly because of you, there will be food that feeds your soul. Week after week, you'll come and like, oh man, that was good. Oh, I was so encouraged. I was lifted up. I was fed. Why? Because there was food in the house. And you unlock food in the house through getting in the covenant with God through the tithe. The second thing that it says, it says the windows of heaven open. He said, I will open up the windows of heaven and there won't be room enough to receive. If I were to ask by raising of hands, anybody got any more room? Yes, yes. I just want, I want you to understand that this is the one area of the scripture where God says, and test me now in this. He starts it with, test me in this. Test me in this. And see if I will not open the windows of heaven. There is blessing coming to you when you tithe. Listen, I I say it unashamedly. When you put God first in your finance, he will bless you. That's not my word. And I want to say this to you. If, If we were trying to manipulate you, we would have taken up the offering at the end of this sermon. I'm not interested in getting more of your money. I'm interested in seeing you blessed. I'm interested in seeing you walk in all that God has for you. The windows of heaven open. Can I just tell you, I'm going to share you a quick story, and it has nothing to do with us. I felt like the Lord wanted me to share this story with you. I wouldn't otherwise. The scripture does tell us that when we give, we shouldn't let what our left hand does, let let, let our left hand know what our right hand is doing. So I'm not telling you this as as somehow to to celebrate me. I'm celebrating God. A a few years ago in 2003, our youth group gave over $25,000 to missions. Our little tiny youth group gave $25,000. And it was because a wave of generosity hit this church. And it hit our young people. That year, young people, for all of you who haven't been to youth lately, that year when young people showed up, seven of them got cars. Seven of them got cars given to them. That was a good year at youth. And I'll never forget it. We were in that season, and God was doing all kinds of things. I was driving to the airport in my Mitsubishi Eclipse that I bought brand new off the lot that I said, God, my old car, man, I can't even look for a wife You know, that thing is so bad, so tore up. I'm like, God, I need a car. I need a car so I can look for a wife. It was my prayer life. Get off me. Just saying. So I went out and got a a brand new, off the lot Mitsubishi Eclipse, right? And it's the only brand new car 
I've ever bought and bought Dave Ramsey. Uh, it, it was the only brand new car I ever bought. And so, um, and you know, and sure enough, you know, soon I would meet my my uh, soon to be bride. I didn't know that at the time. You know, I had had bought that car I think in 94, 90, yeah, 94, 93, somewhere in there. Bought it brand new. Anyways. Um, uh, you know, I'll never forget the day that our firstborn, Mackenzie, was born. We were trying to get that car seat in the back seat of Eclipse. That, I, I was like, God, I didn't really think this through, you know. <laughs> um, but anyways, I, I was driving that car here as a youth pastor um, uh, in 2003, and it was, it was a great shape. That car, I never, ever had trouble with that car. Never. It was awesome. Got great gas mileage, everything. And I was driving it to the airport on the way to uh, to fly out to Oklahoma. I was going to a uh, you know um, a conference out there, and I heard the Lord specifically say, "I want you to give this car away, and this is who you're supposed to give it to." And the guy next to me, I was like, "Oh man, you got to pray for me." He was like, "And we're driving. It's like three in the morning." He was like, "It's like what? What?" I was like, "God just told me to give the car away." He was like, "Did he tell you to give it to me?" <laughs> I'm like, no, he didn't tell me to give it to you. <laughs> I said, I asked you to pray for me. Don't be lusting over my car. And, uh, <laughs> and I just said, God, I said, okay. Well, I got to the conference, you know, that, uh, you know, that they went into the conference and I talked to my wife and she calls me and, and she says, hey, honey, uh, I, I got to say something to you. Um, I felt like the Lord said something to me, and it may come as a shock to you. He said that you're supposed to give your car away. I was like, almost dropped the phone. I was like, well, okay. Well, who did he say to give it to? And she said the exact name that the Lord had given me. I'm, I'm, I'm just going to tell you. At that moment, I had only one resource to fall back on, tithing. I had watched God be so faithful to me personally and to my family that when he asked me for one of my, we had only two, at that time, only two children, but a family now going to just one vehicle. I had one thing to fall back on. Tithing. God, you've blessed us. I don't know how. You just have. And so it was really cool. We got back and cleaned it all up and got it all ready. I remember when we drove it over uh, to to this 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 young man's house and and I, I, I said, uh, you know, the Lord really spoke to me that I was to, to give you this car. And he was stunned, stunned and silent, which is really weird for this guy. He was a talker. And he looked at me. He's like, what am I supposed to do now? Kiss you in the mouth? I was like, you better not. <laughs> it's true. And I want to say this to you. Um, uh, it was about a year that we drove one vehicle, and we were really, really happy with it. 
Awesome. But after about a year, car after car after car after car after car after car after car, I think we're here. After car, we're now to eight that have been given to us. Now listen, almost all of these we gave away. The one I wanted to keep, it was a Ford Explorer Limited. It was the first time I had ever sat on a seat warmer. I'm like, yes. And God said this, this one, I want you to sell and give all the money to missions. But that was in the middle of those somewhere. I want to tell you, what, when God, I hope you get this, when God teaches you how to be faithful with small things, that first 10%, it's a small thing. He will open the lender's hand and open it to you. And pour out a blessing that you do not have room enough to receive. I, I can't explain why God continued to do that and to do it and to do it and to do it. But he's done it. And we gave away a lot of those cars. God gave them to us. We gave them away. And I just want to say... God wants to open the windows of heaven up again. And you start by learning to be faithful with the tithe. The next thing is this. God will get in your fight. God fights for you. When you tithe, God fights for you. This says, he said, test me in this. I will rebuke the devourer. He, he does not tell you to stand in front of a devourer and say, be rebuked. He says, go sit down. I'm getting in this fight. The word devourer literally means eater. Picture a 15-year-old boy, okay, in your cabinets eating everything. Everything. God says, listen, he says, I am getting in this spiritual battle. This is why it's in this Called to Freedom series. Because you don't realize that there's been a spiritual attack on your finances when you're not returning to God what belongs to God. And God is saying, if you'll test me in this, I will get into your fight. I will fight for you. I will rebuke the devourer. You rebuking the devourer isn't working. And the way you rebuke him is you return to the Lord what belongs to him. And God says, I'm getting in the fight. The last thing that you know that happens whenever, whenever you start to tithe, this is what gonna people are going to say. You're so lucky. It always seems like good things are happening to you. People call you blessed. Do you know 
what, you know, it, that's what it says. It says, and the nations will call you blessed. That's Malachi chapter 3. That's what that says. It says, and the nations will call you blessed. What does that word blessed mean? It means fortunate to be envied. How many of you want to be fortunate? How many of you would like to be so humble and so obedient that God says, I could trust you with true riches? I want true riches. I want souls. If God would like to bring in millions, I know what to do with it. And I think many of you would too. But you start where you are. And I know what people are saying. Well, if I was rich, I would tithe. You'll never be rich if you don't tithe. Because true riches is connected to God's blessing. You may have wealth, which is mammon, according to the New Testament. And the Bible says you cannot serve God and mammon. Mammon is that Syrian God. It's a false demon God that's looking for servants. You cannot serve God and wealth and riches. You can't. I want to be blessed. I want the, 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 the blessing of heaven to rest on my life. I want people to say, you're the luckiest guy on the planet. I'm not lucky. I'm blessed. And I activated that covenant by just returning what belongs to the Lord, to him. Four times in this passage, and I'll finish up with this. Four times in this passage, it says this. Says the Lord of hosts, says the Lord of hosts, says the Lord of hosts, says the Lord of hosts. This was the main reason I included this in this series. Lord of hosts means the Lord of heaven's armies. And you need to understand that when God was asking us to return what belonged to him, he was calling himself. And by the way, I've got an army to release on your behalf. He's calling himself by that name, the Lord of hosts. It is the Lord of heaven's army. This is not only something that we do in the physical that certainly could bless the local church. It absolutely could. But there is a spiritual principle that God says, I, the Lord of hosts, the Lord of heaven's armies will come and fight on your behalf. When you learn to walk in the principle of tithing, you enter into, in your financial realm, a land called freedom. And truth be told, you could close every other door. And if you keep what's God's, you'll still have one. It says it's a curse. And God doesn't want any of you under a curse. God doesn't put us under a curse. He says we put ourselves there by taking what belongs to God. Now listen, God wants you blessed. God wants you blessed. And this is the truth of God's Word extended to you so that you can be blessed. So that there'll be food in the house. So that you will see the favor of God rest on your life.
God's going to do it. And all we have to do is say yes. I hope you've enjoyed this message from Calvary Church. For more information on this message or to listen to other teachings, visit us at InvernessCalvary.com. Connect with us for all the latest news on services, events, and more through our website or by following us on Twitter and Facebook. Thanks for listening and God bless.